Hello, family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4.23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the type of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. Amen. If you are, um, if you're a, a, a mom with... Um, either working from home or a flexible work schedule, and you can be here on Wednesday night. This is a beautiful ministry of people that just walk, or Wednesday morning, sorry, I said Wednesday night. Also, we have Wednesday night programs, uh, but Wednesday, Wednesday morning or Wednesday afternoon, I think it starts at uh, nine, it goes to like noon or so, um, or 11 or so, um, but just a beautiful uh, ministry uh, to connect and to walk in community with with other people. If you are uh, kindergarten through second grade, you can meet right there in the back uh, with either Miss Whitney or Miss Kristen uh, and head to Sunday or uh, Children's Church this morning. Well, friends, as we, uh, as we continue to dive into our sermon series called The Art of Neighboring, uh, we are walking through a, a book with the same title, uh, not really walking through. The book is kind of a, a, a starter for us and a, a resource as you go through this journey. If you'd like to, to get the book, um, let me know, uh, or you can go on Amazon um, and just purchase it. But um, it's, a, it's a good book that has uh, just some, some flesh, it fleshes out uh, some of this conversation about what it means to be intentional about neighboring, what it means to be intentional as we lean into uh, the call that God put on our lives to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so we're looking at what, what, is this, what does it look like for us uh, as a church to uh, start considering neighboring as a, as a verb as opposed to a noun. Not just something that we have, that we li- a place that we live or a thing that we are, but a thing that we do, that we actively pursue for the message of the gospel, for the, for the love of Christ, for the grace of God. Um, and as Wesley calls, uh, he says, the world is my parish. The place in which God has put me is my ministry, is my church, is the, the place that I am pouring out. And so um, how is the neighborhood in which you live, the, the neighbors in which you're surrounded by, the, the community in which you find yourselves living in, how are those, the, how is that the place in which God has put you for ministry purposes? So uh, we challenged you at the end of last week to take this sheet and to look through it uh, as a family to begin to fill out some of the, the, the cubes as uh, like people in your, in your block, in your neighborhood that you want to get to know on a deeper level. And so uh, we as a family, we all kind of picked a block and you get each, each person gets a block and you get to pick like what's the family that you want to pursue, that, you, that we want to kind of get to know on a deeper level. And so my kids instantly, they're like, oh, the, the people down the street that we play with all the time, right? And so we're like, ah, oh, that doesn't count. And then we realized, uh, Abby and I, like, oh, 
you guys play with their kids all the time, but we don't really know the parents very well. That would probably be a good thing for us to do. So we wrote it down, right? And so they're like excited. Oh yeah, yeah, check, we're done, right? And then, uh, and then so I, I thought like, there's this neighbor across the street that, um, that has maybe kind of gotten a bad rap in the neighborhood. I've heard their names kind of uh, penciled in as like, oh, the bad neighbors, right? I was like, I want to get to know them. Like that's the, you know, let me take the challenge, right? Um, and Abby's like, all right, go for it. And then, uh, and then she's like, okay, how about the neighbor right across or right, right next door that is, um, that's inside a lot and has health concerns and maybe she needs, needs some, some real neighbors to, to walk alongside her. And so it was, it was a, a fun exercise, a good activity for us to really get to think and move in the same direction or at least uh, have goals in the same direction. And, and we had these high lofty plans for how this would be fleshed out throughout the week. But then it seemed like as we went throughout the week that it just became difficult. Like our busy schedules were getting in the way of this, this initiative, this, this task that we had put on our plates, this, this good vision, this good goal. The busyness of our schedules had gotten in the way. The hurried pace of our lives became a boundary we realized that the hurried pace of our lives became a boundary to the great command that God had in our lives to go and make, to make, go and make disciples, to, to go and, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so as we, as we lean into this, um, I know that sometimes this feels like an interruption to our lives. But as we lean into scripture today, we're gonna see how uh, Jesus dealt with interruptions in, in his life and in his schedule. Uh, it, I know that many of you will interact with this, um, this piece of paper in different ways. Many, some of you will take it and you'll fill it out with your families. And you might even take two because you got a lot of neighbors that you want to get to know. Um, and some of you may take it and you, as you walk out, you may put it in the wastebasket and that's okay. Uh, it's okay how we each deal with this, this in a different way. But um, as, as we go through this sermon series, uh, know that this is designed, uh, the scripture that we look at will be kind of uh, viewed through the lens of neighboring, but the word of God applies to each of our lives in different ways. And so as we read through scripture, um, know that, that God, is, God desires to meet you in the midst of it, whether you are actively neighboring or not. Amen? Amen. So let's go to God uh, let's, and let's go to the word of God. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 40. But before we do that, let's, uh, let's pray. God, we, uh, we ask that you would meet us in the midst of reading your word. God, that this, the word of God would become live and active in our hearts and in our minds, that you would uh, open up our hearts and uh, reveal um, the darkness within us, that you would reveal the, the areas in which we have left, we have kept you out. And God, would you invade those spaces? Would you flood in and, and, and fill and transform our hearts and in our minds through the, the message of the, the gospel, through the word of God? Um, through your living and active word of God. Uh, God, move me aside as we, as we teach, God, that it would be your words that are heard uh, this morning. We ask these things all in the precious name of, the, of, of our God who came uh, to love us and to save us. Um, we, uh, we give thanks. And, the, and, the, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. <clears throat> so as we, as we read this text, I want you to keep a, a clean understanding that all of all of what Jesus is doing here is in the midst of interruption. You're going to see uh, interruption after interruption as Jesus uh, interacts with 
uh, his ministry. Uh, right before this text in Luke um, chapter 8, we see that Jesus has already gone across the lake to the other side, the, the Sea of Galilee, which is really just a lake. He's gone to the other side um, of the lake to the Gentile side, and he's been doing ministry over there. Uh, he heals a, um, a man who was, who, who was demon-possessed. He heals him, and this demon-possessed man uh, who's been terrorizing the town uh, now becomes the, the first evangelist for the message of the gospel in this town. Um, a beautiful thing. And then Jesus comes back across the lake to the, the Jewish side of the lake, um, to, to Galilee, uh, where he is presumably heading back to their kind of home base so that he can send out his disciples uh, on mission. We see that later on in Luke chapter, um, chapter 9. So, now, when Jesus returned from the other side of the lake, a crowd of people welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. You ever walked into a space and uh, people, like somebody has been there that you, or something, some situation has been there that you weren't expecting, right? Uh, the other day I went, came into my office and, uh, and Kelly at the front said, oh, someone's waiting for you in your office. And my mind is like panicking, you know, like, who could it be? I don't know who it is. Uh, I didn't clean up my office last night, right? It's a total disaster. So there's people that are just waiting there, that are expecting to see Jesus, that are interrupting his schedule uh, to go from, from this place to the next. <clears throat> so a crowd, they were expecting to see him in interruption. The, then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, interrupted even that crowd, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, the girl about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. As Jesus was on his way to interact with this interruption in his schedule, the crowds were crushing in on him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and she touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Who interrupted my task. Who touched me? Jesus asked. And when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, No, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could, could not go unnoticed, came trembling at his feet in the presence of all of the people. Hear that. In the presence of all of the people, the boldness and the vulnerability in her voice. She told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. I want to pause here in the scripture because it's not where it ends, but I want to pause here in the scripture to, uh, to highlight a, a, a quote from uh, Charles Spurgeon's commentary on this text. He's quoting um, in the text uh, St. Augustine, and he says this, a multitudes still come similarly close to, Jesus, to Christ in the means of grace. Like this, this idea um, that, that all of the crowds were crowding around Jesus. They were coming similarly close to Christ in the means of grace, but all to no purpose, being only sucked into the crowd. And then Spurgeon continues the commentary on this, this quote and says, the voluntary living contact of faith is that electric conductor 
which, allow, which alone draws virtue out of him. I want to key in on those words. A voluntary living contact. That's what's happening with the woman is that she, she wasn't like the rest of the crowds that are just being sucked in and, and, and crowded and bumping close. There was something different about her touch. There was something different about her heart, different about her attitude. She was a voluntary living contact. See, we rub up against God every day, but do we reach for him? Are we voluntary in our approach to God to say, God, I desire to, to have a living connection between me and you in this moment right now? This is how we get the, the concept of pray without ceasing that Paul tells the, the church at, at Thessalonica. A voluntary living contact that every moment of our lives is reaching out in voluntary contact to the creator of the world. You see, uh, Kate is, uh, is doing a, a science project in her class in sixth grade, and, and she has this, uh, this popsicle stick that she had to like write, do this like video about in front of the, the whole class, and, uh, or in front of a, she did a video and had to post it and all this, but this is popsicle stick, and on it there's a battery, and there's some kind of crazy chemical reaction. I don't know all the science and engineering. Um, later, some of you engineers can come tell me all about it, uh, but there's, there's some, some Something that happens when this, uh, this little clip, Jackson, you know what I'm talking about, this little clip touches the battery, right? And this, the source of the, of the power doesn't get to the light without a conductor, right? And this, the making, closing this circuit made, it, made a connection and allowed the, the power of, of the, the source, this battery, actually end up in the world in, as light, you see, that's what voluntary living contact is. That there's a, a source of all power that, that is God. And you and I, the voluntary living contact is what gets the power of Christ into the world. To be the light of the world is the conductor. So this, this is what the woman is doing. In vulnerability, she stands up and gives her testimony as to what God did for her in that one moment as she responded in a voluntary living contact. And we'll get back to that. Um, so while Jesus was speaking in verse 49, while Jesus was speaking to the woman, he was interrupted. Someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher any longer. And hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe and she will be healed. And when he arrived at, at the house of Jairus, he didn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. And meanwhile, all of the people were wailing and mourning for her, and he interrupted them. He said, stop wailing. Jesus said, she's not dead, but, but asleep. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, get up, my child. He interrupted even death in this moment. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. And then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. And her parents were astonished. But he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
You notice that there's interruptions after interruptions, even interruptions to the interruptions within the story. I believe that Luke is, uh, is trying to teach us, is trying to emphasize this idea of divine interruption. And so I want to ask you the question. I really want to ask you the question and I want you to answer the question. Um, what interruptions have you had this week? So I want you to turn to your neighbor. I'm going to give you a couple minutes. I want you to turn to your neighbor, uh, somebody around you, uh, somebody maybe even not in your family, and, and to answer the question, what interruptions have you had this week? Ready? Go. Tell of an interruption that you've had this week. And if you don't know the person that you're talking to, introduce yourself. So it seems that there are, uh, by the chattiness of the room, that there are plenty of interruptions this week. There are plenty of interruptions this week, and I hope, I hope and pray uh, that, that all of those were, were great and glorious interruptions, but, I, but I, I recognize also that oftentimes interruptions really throw off our schedule. They really throw off our attitude. They really throw off um, our lives in, um, in sometimes really distinct ways. There can be interruptions in our, our lives that really put us into a, a dark place that really mess with our soul. I want you to know that Jesus desires to meet you in the midst of those interruptions. That God is not surprised by the interruptions that happen in your story and in your life. I know for me, uh, I'm pretty good at eliminating interruptions by just making myself so busy, right? That if, I just, if I'm just busy enough, if I just have enough things on my schedule, then I don't have time for any interruptions and I, I just pass right on by, kind of like the, the priest or the Levite with the Samaritan on the side of the road. Right, if I can just be busy enough in my schedule, then I can, just, I can just run through my life living my life as I desire to live it. But oftentimes, uh, interruptions, they just meet us regardless. What I want to challenge us today to consider in this text is what if we begin to ask God for interruptions? What if we begin to ask God to meet us and to show us himself in the midst of the interruptions of our lives? You know, we were talking before uh, worship and Scott Watson was telling me about an interruption that happened in his story, in his life this last week. And it, it led to an interaction with someone that he would have never met, but, was, but turned out to be definitely a God thing. As we lean into the things that, that happen that seem so inconvenient in our story, they can oftentimes, because when the Holy Spirit is present in the midst of it, become... Uh, impactful in our journey. If we are to look at neighboring as a ministry, as something that we are called to as the body of Christ, then we, 
we need to begin to ask the Holy Spirit to get involved in it. We need to begin to ask the Holy Spirit to get involved in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit to be involved in ministry. If, if this church is without the Holy Spirit, all we are is a, uh, like a philanthropic business. If, if this worship service is without the Holy Spirit, it's, it's a concert and a TED Talk. Right? If, if, this, if, if our lives are without the Holy Spirit, then, then really we are just living organic matter consuming the things around us. If the Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is not involved in neighboring, then we're just practicing Southern hospitality. So what does it look like, church, for us to begin to engage the Holy Spirit in every aspect of our lives for me, this looks like that, that quote from Spurgeon. What does it mean for us to be voluntary living contact, involuntary living contact with God at all times? Are we seeking after God or are we just hoping to bump into him in the course of our lives? The psalmist in Psalm 119 too, gives a, a blessing. Um, Happy are those or blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all of their hearts. It's a difference in those who just are, are in the presence of, God, of, of, of life and they just bump into God. But the blessing is for those who seek God with all of their hearts, this voluntary living contact it ought to be the compass of our hearts. As we wake up in the morning, I know my struggle, my challenge is when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I look at is my phone. And there's, there's a, a, a plethora of alerts because I'm so popular that there are so many alerts on my phone in the morning. Really, oftentimes, they're just tweets, right? Or X's. Is that right? X's, not tweets anymore? Um, there's just these, uh, these messages that, that the, the world tries to push on me. All these, there's emails that people sent uh, at, at night. There's, uh, there's text messages. There's notifications. I, I, I begin to open up these things and look at them first thing in the morning. And uh, I begin to seek after the world the first thing that I do. I've noticed. What if voluntary living contact is to say, God, when I first wake up, my first thought is you. God, what do you have for me? God, how can I be a, be a conductor between the, the source of all things that are good and the rest of the world? One of the things that I'm intentionally asking this week and last week is, God, what do you want to share with me this morning? Not what does the world want to share with me this morning, but what do you want to share with me this morning? So my first uh, I'm trying, and it's difficult to get myself out of a rhythm, but I'm trying to make my first mode prayer. To be my first mode, to leave my phone on its stand, leave the room completely and go, go pick up the Bible and begin to read the word in the morning. How am I allowing, uh, how am I voluntarily connecting with the living God? The second thing that I see in our text is this um, this desire that we ought to have a desire, an eager desire for divine interruption. That we as, the, as Christ's church ought to be not just, um, not just willing to adapt when it happens, but we ought to be eagerly desiring for God to interrupt our schedule and our story so we can do his divine work. 
And maybe that begins with a prayer to say, God, would you interrupt my schedule? Would you interrupt my, my course of action? If we look at Jesus's ministry, it's pretty shocking to see all of the things that really are, are notable or highlighted in, in the, the gospels are pretty much all interruptions. I mean, think about it. Jesus is teaching inside of someone's house and the ceiling bursts open and someone comes down. I, I can't even imagine what I would do, right? If, if the ceiling broke open in the middle of me preaching and someone came down from the ceiling or walked in the back with, on a stretcher, you know, and brought somebody in. When you retell that story, they don't write about what Jesus was preaching that day. No, they write about the, interac- the interruption to the story, the way in which God met them in that space. When Jesus is, is on a boat taking a nap and a storm rolls in and the disciples wake him up from his nap, interrupt him from his nap so that he can calm the storms and freak the disciples out, right? You don't see preachers teaching on that text about the value of naps, do you? I mean, maybe that would be a great sermon, uh, uh, maybe, maybe for another day. No, but they teach about the power of God in the midst of that situation and and the impact that made on the disciples. In our story today, in Luke, the passage today, Jesus is interrupted from his interruptions so that he can interrupt. Luke is really trying to lean into this idea that that your interruptions aren't necessarily just interruptions. stops in your, in your day, in your schedule, but maybe, just maybe, they are the thing. I love uh, this quote by C.S. Lewis in his book, uh, Letters to Malcolm. Uh, it's chiefly on prayer. He says this, the great thing, if one can, is to stop regarding all of the unpleasant things as interruptions in one's own life or real life. The truth is, of course, that what one calls the interruptions are precisely the one's real life. The life God is sending one day by day or the life that God is sending to you every day. What if we could begin to recognize that those interruptions are the life that God is sending to us? What if we had eyes to see and ears to hear what God is doing in our midst and the patience and the discernment to stop and to deal with it? When I, was, uh, when I was in Africa, um, we, uh, we were building this, this massive building and um, we had 10 days to finish this project. And when we looked at like what the, f- kind of visualized what the finished product was and where we were at the beginning of it, we're like, there's no way that we're finishing this project. And uh, this, this task became so um, laborious. It was, it was like we had to wake up every day, uh, get there as early as we could, get, get a good start ahead because we knew that the next day would be full of, of difficult tasks. And um, I remember one day it was about uh, three quarters of the way through the project. And I'm like the, the one on top of the roof, the, the only uh, American on, on uh, me and Dan were the only Americans on our side uh, communicating uh, to these Africans. And I felt like, um, I felt like I can't like miss a day. And Mwenge, the, one of the pastors there, he said, hey, I want you to come with me today because uh, we're gonna do something different. And I, I just remember like, I, I can't. Like, I can't leave this job. I can't leave this task. Uh, the, the arrogance in me to say that I, I am the, the only reason this, this project would, would be accomplished, right? Um, but 
what he, what he had me doing, he said, come with me. I want to show you um, some of the ministry that we do here. I want to show you um, our, our widows' meetings. And so every week, they have 10 groups around town that they go and, and, uh, and share the gospel with to, to widow groups. And there's like 40 or 50 in each of these little groups of widows. And he said, oh, by the way, you're, uh, you're preaching. <laughs> and so, um, so, I mean, I, I get choked up even just thinking about um, that opportunity and how God showed me his grace in the midst of that. If I had said, no, I, I'm, I'm stuck up here on the roof. I, we got to finish this project. I would have missed out on something beautiful that God was doing. Would have missed out on, on a, just a beautiful image of what it means to be a neighbor, to be community. See, these women had nothing. Society had turned their back on them, but they had each other. And this group of women bound together to live life with one another. And join the harvest got to walk alongside them with the gospel. Uh, and this is the area in which they see probably the most salvations come from because women uh, leaving the Muslim faith are now freed to make their own decisions in, because they're not tied to their husband any longer. And so they can make a decision to follow after Jesus who loves them and cares for them and this beautiful ministry that is happening in the midst of this broken situation. And, and God gave me the opportunity in an interruption to what I thought was most important to show me the love and grace of God in the midst of this. Um, I wish I had a video. I, I have a video. I wish I would have brought a video of, of one of those gatherings where they're singing and joyful. Maybe after the service, I'll, I'll show it to you. Um, but sometimes interruptions are the ministry of God. So I want to I invite um, our band to come back up. Um, and I want to close with this. Church, as we, um, as we engage with this idea of being a neighbor, it can be so easy to get lost in the busyness of our schedule. What I want to challenge each and every one of us today is, one, to dedicate yourself to be a voluntary living contact. To not just go throughout your day hoping to bump into God, but to be reaching for God in your, in your lives. Because through that, he will, use, he will make, you a, make you a conductor for the source of all life and all good to the world. And two, be eager for divine interruptions. And that may take that may take freeing up some space in your schedule. I know for me, uh, I get, I am uh, habitually uh, late to things because I overpack my schedule. I think that I can get all of these things done in this short time window and then I find myself racing from one thing to the next thing to the next thing and passing over all of the divine interruptions that God might have for me. And so for me, to set a rhythm, uh, to actually be able to embrace and be eager for divine interruptions means that I need to set rhythms in my schedule that there's more white space, that there's time between meetings that I've, I've carved out where there's nothing and just say, God, use that time. God, use this window, use this block of time. I'm gonna slowly walk from, from here to, to, to my car and if something happens in the process, I got 15 extra minutes to, to spare and if that conversation lasts 30 minutes because you 
have divinely ordained it, then let's, let's go. It's creating space in our schedules to actually be able to embrace what God is doing in our hearts. And this is, number one for me, challenging. Uh, so so as, we, um, as we lean into, uh, into what it means for us to set rhythms, for us to be a divine, um, to, for us to embrace divine interruptions, um, I, want, I want for you as a, as a, a family, as a church, um, to begin to in, engage with this on, on the next level. Um, on the back, um, there's a space for, uh, for prayers. I want you to, to begin to write prayers for your neighbors. And begin to ask God to, um, to stop your schedule, to interrupt your schedule so that you might interact with your neighbors, to be even inconvenienced by the interactions with your, with your neighbors. I don't know what that looks like in your own story and in your own lives. Maybe that's, maybe that's not your physical neighbors. Maybe that's the, the soccer team that you, are, you end up spending uh, a crazy amount of time with throughout the week as you sit at practices. Um, but whatever that looks like, I just I ask that you would take some time to slow down your schedule, to not be in a hurry, but to ask God, use my time so that I might be interrupted for your purpose. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, let us stand and continue in worship this morning.